Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, a horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Ray. And I'm your other host, Chris. And oh, look who's back! Ah, it's Chris Rodriguez! Oh. Hello. Chris, we've basically kidnapped you. Yeah, you're never leaving this podcast. <laughs> I mean, honestly, man, it's... Fuck it, man. It's COVID. I, I am happy to be here. Any, you know, I, I'll take this fucking weirdo monster, monster mongo horror over the fucking horror of the real world any day. Mm, escapism. The most delicious kind with our, our friend and our beloved horror mangaka, Junji Ito. Chris, you're back. And um, uh, this was... You know, if you listened to the last episode, this was entirely unscripted. It, it was just like a fever dream that we had to make it to reality. What are we reviewing today? Yeah, we are reviewing the manga series Tomie, which is what gave Junji Ito his start in the whole realm of the genre, or not the genre of the medium. It it was it was the it was the work his his fir- his first manga that not only propelled him into the horror mastermind he is today, but it, it raised him from the truly scary rea- reality uh, where he could have been a, a dental technician for the rest of his life. I'm not going to make any apologies for, like, in the middle of last week's episode, just deciding we're doing Tomie because this is my fucking favorite out of all three of the ones that we've done so far. Tomie is my... Just, I'm just gonna say it right, right off the like, right at the front. This is my fucking favorite. Hell yeah! Um, and actually, this is a a bit of a treat. Well, not just because it's Junji Ito, but none of us have read Junji. Or I'm sorry, read Tomie before. So this is our first deep dive into it. Um, and it's 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 kind of fitting. It's it's coming full circle because uh, Tomie w- was. Junji Ito's first work, uh, his first published work, um, it's a, a work that propelled his career, it put him in the spotlight, and um, since then, it's, uh, it, it, it has been and still is a widely beloved, beloved uh, classic of his, and, it, um, you know, and it's, um, it's just it's just amazing and um you know there's some extremely extremely re- recent news regarding Tomei that we'll review later in the episode um but for those who may have wandered in uh maybe just your first episode uh maybe you've never heard of Juji Ito uh he's this amazing horror mangaka uh who's been writing and drawing for the last 30 years um, and Tomie is his first work. Um, Tomie was first released in 1987. So this is this is about like 32 years old, or 33, depending on the month. Um, this story uh, was born out of blood, sweat, and tears because um, it actually came out during a very difficult part of Ito's life, where he was crazy overworked, being a dental technician. Uh, he was going through a string of of um, uh, bad luck in in his personal life, um, and he was he was like overworking himself. He was he was still working full time and still working on his craft 
um, and uh, but he took a shot. Uh, he submitted uh, Tomie, which is the very first chapter um, in the collected deluxe omnibus, at least the ones that Rai and I read from. I'm not sure which edition you read, Chris. Was it like this big beefy omnibus right here? It was. Uh, it was a digital edition. Excellent. But yeah, yeah, he submitted it to uh, a a a monthly manga magazine called Monthly Halloween or Getcon Halloween. Um, it's a shojo magazine. So shojo, if you're not familiar with that term, it's a type of comic directed towards uh, young teenage female audiences. And um, Tomie won an honorable mention. It got published in the magazine. And the response and, like, the fact that he, he, he got, like, such attention about it, like, it spurred him to basically drop drop everything, become a mangaka full-time, and uh, the rest is history. Um, uh, the original run was, like, 1987 to 2000. Uh, over the cross of like three different volumes, I believe it's like twenty chapters. Yes, it is twenty. Yeah, and uh, it's been reprinted multiple times. It's been uh, adapted into eleven movies and like a web series, and um, you know it's it's being it's going to be reimagined. You know, you know, in the n- very near future. Uh, so this. It, it, it's become a huge staple in Japanese horror, uh, not just in, in in comics and manga, but like just in multimedia in general. Uh, so that is the behemoth we are dealing with today, and this is a very very truncated uh, abbreviation of the story. But Tomie is this mysterious um, Japanese young woman. Um, uh, she's Unearthly beautiful, raven black silky hair, an iconic mole under her eye, uh, and she's like this type of succubus type of character where she's extremely alluring, um, and men fall in love with her, uh, they, they literally go crazy, and they kill her, uh, dismember her, like all sorts of bloody gruesome stuff, but, uh, there's like this, this mysterious curse or ability or, um... Uh, that she has where she's able to uh, regenerate, re- replicate, like make copies of hers. Like she's effectively immortal. And uh, the, the, the crux of the story goes through um, like these individually ca- uh, separate but still narratively connected um, stories of how this cycle endlessly continues and the various way she pops up uh across japan and across time itself uh so with that with all that information out of the way uh first impressions about tomie and uh, i think rye i think rye we have to talk to you first because you're like unabashedly like in love with this i really am i have enjoyed everything that we've done by junjito so far but i literally devoured tomie in a day and this is a real thick book and I work full time and I still, I read it in a day. Um, and then I read it again this weekend. So I'm like clearly feeling some kind of way about it. But also on top of that, I, because I'm extra as a person, I bought the DVD because I can't find it 
and I cannot find the original movie from 1998, Tomie anywhere. So I bought the DVD on Amazon, and I am obsessed. I think that it's probably the most successful adaptation. And that's just purely of the three that we've done so far and what we've seen so far. It's absolutely the most successful and the most faithful. It takes the appropriate bits and pieces from the different stories that are interwoven throughout the manga and just puts together a, a, a genuinely good J-horror movie. Um, I'm curious to watch the rest of them because I want to see as those films progress, do they take more from the manga? Because it's, as Chris said, it is very, very meaty. It's massive. So I'd be curious to see if this is a route that they continue to take, where they just sort of continue to take these little bits and pieces from the manga and pull together a movie. It it was great. It was fucking great. Now I can now make that connection of like where all of those beautiful split face makeups that I see came from. You see it all the time on Instagram. It's wild. I love it. It's wild, and I can't believe that this is, like, his firstborn, and we sort of went backwards with all this. We were doing this last, so it's all, I mean, in my opinion, I think we saved the best for last. If I had to sort of go in order with my favorite from one to three, I would just go one, two, three backwards the way we did this. I I, I would do Tomia Uzumaki Gyo. Absolutely in love. Also, I can't believe I missed this the first time I saw the movie. Junji Ito is actually in it, and it's not because he's on a wanted poster. <laughs> oh, does he have like a cameo? Yeah, he makes a cameo with his assistant. It's very good. Um, a- a- as himself, or does he play like Takagi, the teacher? He plays one of the criminal investigators that pop up at one of the death scenes, and I have told at least four other people I know that not only do they have to read Junji Ito, but they have to read Tomie because I I can't get enough. Yes, yes. Uh, Chris, I mean, this is I mean, this is all of our first times reading Tomie. So, what are your, what were your first impressions? I mean, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I liked Uzumaki better. Um, Tomie, I realized was a little bit more sort of monster esque horror. You know. Like, there is very clearly a monster, Tomie. She is defined by rules. There are things that she needs to do. There are ways that she acts and operates, which I find, I guess, less scary than than some of the other stuff. And granted, this was his earlier work, so his art isn't as, uh, what's the word? I guess distinctive as it was in sort of his later works. But I liked it. I still liked it a lot. but I do have a lot of thoughts about it too. So, when we'll, but we'll get to that in a little bit, I imagine. Jumping off of what you said about his art, it's it's striking. It's uh, it's like his the 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 basis of Tomie, like the very first chapters. It was really raw. Like uh, I felt like I mean, this is like the first chapter or the first couple of chapters was created in 1987, um, and this is still when he was you know, juggling two jobs and, you know, um, and he's still working on his craft. And it was, I feel like, I felt like with the beginning chapters, it didn't stand out as 
much as much later contemporary Juju Ito works, but like you could see little vestiges of what it would become. And as you like read through this massive tome, um, you know, as the years go by, you you saw this transformation where like you saw his line work get a little more um complex, uh, especially towards the end where he's just full blown crazy body horror um um stuff um but in the interim you start to see like some of the classic features of his artwork come out like um like you start to see like the eye like his eyes start to get more expressive uh you you see like the the early chapters like it's all completely ink blotted uh so lots of blocky blacks but then later you start to see so much more of this hatch line work uh which he uses so much to great effect in his shading and it's like oh okay so it's like um it's like a, it's like a it's like a petri dish just i mean it's all the same character all the same story but like you just see it progress um you know across 13 14 years he's been working on tomie and for me i enjoy tomie i didn't think I enjoyed it so as much as Uzumaki, and I think because Uzumaki scratched that itch for like really like weird off-ball like like way left field ideas. Uh, I felt Tomi. This is not disturbing Tomie, but I feel like Tomie was more grounded. Uh, I mean, it was definitely like a a creature feature, like a more quote-unquote standard monster manga uh but uh and it played with um a lot of it, it played with a lot of the same uh like uh similar themes i mean i, th- I think uh, overall i think it was more co- cohesive as a theme especially because tomie is the defining character and she like she like the focus is all about her um whereas in uzumaki uh, the main character was this weird esoteric abstract idea, and I, f- the the spiral, gave Junji Ito so much more of a playground to like, like create different types of stories. Um, I mean that, but like, I mean it's still Chume is still really good, especially uh, you see in the later chapters, uh, like, um, him experimenting like with like some weird concepts which i feel is my favorite type of ito like chomei's body being being dumped to make like the most hallucinogenic amazing sake like that's awesome i love that story um but yeah um that was a little bit of a long ramble but i i still enjoy tomie i think of all of those reasons though that's part of the reason why i enjoyed it so much was that i you watch it evolve as the story progresses and i feel like the fact that it's grounded it sir it sort of really shows you how much of a stepping stone it was to the crazy ass horrifying things we get later and as someone who had just like gotten exposed to junji ito i went ass backwards like if someone had said you should start with tomie i would understand why because you watch you just like you said you get to watch him progress it's not nearly as unconventionally weird and horrifying as uzumaki and gyo and i love them all 
And, but I, I think that that is really what I enjoyed most about Tommy. It was that I got to sort of watch that snowball and watch him get better and better, not just from novel to novel, but like within this itself, you get to watch that happen. And I think that that is something so gorgeous and something you don't really get to see. I'm having a love affair with this, clearly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, I have a couple of questions. So, um, I like, so for one, so this is, um, you know, his first work. Um, and we, we, we see, we see Junji Ito like really carve a niche and, and, and uh, excel at short stories. These, uh, the, how Tomi is written, it's episodic. They're all connected though. They're, they're all, they're all connected. And I found it, I found that there, the, there is a, like a, a narrative tra- trajectory, uh, trajectory. Uh, with the story, like I found, like the beginning stories, it's Tomie trying to figure out, like, like well, for, first of all, like, like she, she herself doesn't even know why these weird abilities are happening to her. Like she, she, like, there's a couple of times where in, in, the, in the beginning chapters, like I, I don't know, I don't know why this is happening to me. It just happens, uh, and also establishes in the beginning that like, um, un- un- unless like this is some type of Tomie is some type of eternal force, like spiral um but it's it's hard to say but i i felt like how i read the first chapter um that inciting incident where uh you know she gets pushed off the cliff and her all of her classmates uh chop her up uh that creates the inciting incident the inciting trauma which creates whatever force of uh, tome is like a ghost or a spirit or event uh or like this they, they created the monster and like uh, so classic or integral to so many instances of j-horror i mean did they create the monster or was she always a monster well that's the, that's like like that's like the, the, the a big question which i i uh, it leaves it intentionally vague enough to for us to like to debate about it i felt like that was her origin story but i mean the other side it could be completely plausible where she's always been like that and she doesn't she didn't really have an origin i saw it as in a way in the vein of like classic j-horror where like that that tomie in the original chapter she was the first tomie but for whatever reason like whether it's like her doing or like her the the trauma of her traumatic death or maybe she some supernatural force like it got endowed into her like that's like when the infection of tomie began but i want to hear your thoughts i don't even know if that was the first one because she like if you notice in that first story, there's no mention of her parents. You also on the counterpoint, the the protagonist or the, the narrator of the first couple chapters, she said, "Oh, I grew up with Tomie." But at the same time, we've seen Tomie's grow up, like we've seen child versions of Tomie's. Yeah. So, uh, well, well, I'm just posing like a question. Do you think it's like that was the origin, or do you think it was like uh, something that was full circle, like the the Tomie's? that were growing up in the in the last chapter were the same one for the beginning like i just throwing out questions like we, we could i mean there's no wrong answer i just want to see what your, your thoughts about that yeah i think the first chapter has a little bit of what what they call on tv tropes early installment weirdness where the author or the writer or the animator hasn't really figured out all of the finer details about things yet so things that become regular in later stories aren't necessarily defined in the earlier ones. 
So an example of that would be like in season one of Parks and Recreation, Leslie Nope is basically the government version of Michael Scott, a big old doof who is kind of in over her head, but at the same time completely uh, naive about everything that she's actually doing. And then they kind of got rid of all that in later seasons. So because there is something I did notice in that the pictures of Tomie in the first couple of chapters didn't have the whole tumor shit grown out of her head. I get the sense more of she was she's always kind of a monster. Um just sort of an eternal thing that has always been, always will be to prey on man at his weakest. So that's uh that's my thought about that one. Yeah, I like it. Uh right, what what do you think? Where like is is Tommy eternal? Does she was she like an actual ordinary girl? who just, like, turned into a ghost or a spirit? What do you think? So, I'm torn. Especially from a film perspective, I love the idea of her being something out of Japanese folklore and being a spirit, just like you see in regular J-horror. And I want that, but I want that to purely exist in, in film and movies and TV. When it comes to the manga, I don't I don't know. Um, I'd like to think that she's... I kind of have to agree with... with Chris that I think the beginning was was Ito sort of getting his sea legs if you will and trying to figure out where he was going to take Tomie before he got her there so I think it serves as just any number of things definitely like open act opening act weirdness is is a very uh <laughs> spot on label I think but I don't know I'm kind of stuck between the two of them. Like I want I want one thing to exist for the for the manga and I want one thing to stay on for not because it makes more sense. Maybe I don't know. I don't know and that's kind of why I like it so much. I don't know. It's just the mystery. The mystery is the fun of it. And it and it's a, and it's a thing with Junjito though. It, it's his common thing. It's all about the mystery. He doesn't give you an explanation and I love that. For me, that's part of the reason why I think this is not an or the first chapter is not an origin story so much as it, as it is kind of a defining story of what Tomie is. It's not an origin story; it's an introduction for readers to the character. Because I I feel especially for later Junji Ito stories, the question of what is the mystery is something he doesn't like to answer. Like even in um Giao where we learn where the legs came from. We still don't know why they're multiplying. We still don't know why they're attaching themselves to like animals and people. We don't know what the what the gas is or what the virus is. We don't know its origins. So that's why I feel like that's could be a potential origin story, but I don't think it is. Oh, I love it so much. I I love watching I don't know. I think I have a couple of stories that I sort of preferred over the others. I think that in this progression that you get to watch Ito have, you see him sort of find his footing and find the body horror and all of this in what we watch is the everyday with him. It is a, is a common thing. I also found out through the behind the scenes from watching the DVD that part of his inspiration for writing Tomie to begin with was he used to be very afraid of women. So this is what he thought of women when he wrote this down. He thought this was like his whole thing, which I find hilarious 
Like your mind goes to the worst thing possible that a woman is very selfish and self-centered and she only cares about herself and spreading herself all over the world, which you sort of see in the baby Tomies that sort of pop up all over. So I found that fucking hilarious. Yeah, Ito Ito's classic MO is like, I'm afraid of something. I'm gonna write about it. <laughs> exactly. And I love it. I love it so much. Especially again, because we know that he was working in a dental office while he was doing this. So just you know, and I think it's I think it's maybe he wasn't afraid of teeth, but I would love to see him do and I have a thing with body horror and, and teeth. So this is like a weird thing that I'm saying this, but I would love to watch a Junji Ito like do something with that. You know, for somebody who's in a dental office, like in the, all the stories you've read, there's not a lot of teeth horror, is there? I'm, you know, we barely scratched the surface. I mean, we covered his three major works, but he has oodles and oodles of short stories. Yeah. <laughs> They're all in my Amazon cart. Every time I get a paycheck, I buy myself something else from Junji Ito. Like Thursday, I'm going to buy something else. It wouldn't surprise me if he had something horrifying involving teeth or about teeth or or or, or may or may, I don't know who knows maybe maybe he's working on a, another semi autobiographical manga about his life as a dentist like like he did with his cats you know Chris is kind of right though anytime anything like he get, he's afraid of or is unsettled by he writes about it and then makes the rest of the world like join in on his horror I love this man <laughs> this man is great. So, speaking of Tomie, I what do you think of her as a character? Like, what do you like about her? What what's interesting about her? And then we can. Uh, I mean, right? I you you know I, I know you have a ton of research about yokai, so let's throw that in the stew. But like, what do you think about uh, Tomie and her characterization and uh, uh, and, and her evolution or or lack thereof? You know, like we can you can argue that you know she you know doesn't change. But yeah, it's just what, what, what are your thoughts about her? She doesn't. She doesn't. From story to story. From story to story, she, she doesn't. Her whole... I mean, I think that... Maybe I'm misremembering, but I think in at least one story, she tries. She's And whether it's, it's fake or not, she's saying, every time I get too close to somebody, this thing happens. I, I want it to stop. I'm done. Is that real? I don't know. That could also tie into this idea that she is very deeply connected to the spirits of Japanese folklore and things like that, that maybe it's all just a ruse. Certainly her her beauty is definitely a, a ruse. I think that she's probably tired of dying a lot. <laughs> I would be too if I had to keep, you know, growing out of a kidney or a... a brain stem or a neck or an arm or some shit but she never really grows up there's a childlike quality to her that sort of is eternally there the way she plays games with people the way she has that childlike tone whenever she talks to you she also bullies people very much like a child where it doesn't really make sense but you're still really like super offended <laughs> like a kid that is just old enough to know how to be mean but young enough that like you can't really do anything about it I don't even know. Like, isn't she older than a child, though? Like, she's in high school in the first story. Well, she presents herself as being in high school. We don't really know how old she is. We know she's been around for a long time. I always feel like she's, like, uh, except for the stories where, like, she grows up, quote-unquote, like, naturally. Um, you know, uh, 
you know, when, like, I feel like her default age is somewhere like 16 or 17. Your brain hasn't fully developed in high school. There's no way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She's still basically a child. So she's behaving the way a child teenage girl would. She plays with things and then she throws it away. But I think the childlike quality to her is what makes her so horrifying. It's also what makes it really uneasy to watch on screen. The the actress that they got to play her in the movie was exactly how I how I pictured Tomie being played on screen. She nailed that like childlike like vicious quality to Tomie where everything's like funny but it's not really funny and it doesn't like you understand what she's saying and you understand how like malicious she's being but why it's happening doesn't make any sense it's very much like a child and that's terrifying (laughs) especially when you have those like stills of just that little smirk you don't even need to say anything she has that that should just unnerve you just to look at and it does hell yeah so the 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 japanese actress for told me at least in the first film uh her name is miho kano i know she's in the second one uh she's a j-pop singer i i'm looking through her filmography please tell me she was in all of the tomies uh she's only in the first one no she's in the, uh, in the second one too yeah i don't think i don't think she she was in all of them well junji ito picked her yeah well that's awesome um wow there's a okay so wow this is the list of all the actresses who have portrayed uh tomie uh so you have miho kano runa nagai mai hosho miki sakai nozimo ando ryo matsumoto uh Henri bond you uh abiro amiko matsukoa oh matsuoka miyo nakamura uh, and then you have uh, two voice actors, Rei Sugara and Monica Rial. Um, Monica Rial, by the way, is, she's an incredibly popular and famous uh, English voice actor. Wow. Yeah, Tomie run through the gamut of actresses. That's crazy. And again, that's why I think that, or at least that's why I'm hoping that each Tomie movie sort of pulls a little bit more from Ito's like original work. Yeah, we'll 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 touch. Or we'll put a pin in that. We'll definitely get back to that. But like. But uh, Chris, what do you think of Tomie as a character, or as like a force of nature, or you know, like what, what, what do you think of her? See, I have, I mean, on a thematic sense, I gotta say it's kind of weird to see a story where the men get so angry at her that they literally dismember her in these horrific ways. But so I have conflicting feelings about Tomie as a character because I feel like I feel like there could be a very interesting feminist reading done from this from this uh, series about how Tomi is constantly killed by men who desire her and they would rather kill her than see her in any other sense of her not being under their control. Literally the dangers of being a woman. Yeah, someone someone to be like one or not one but be possessed. Uh um you know like it's never like no one really gets to know the real Tomie beyond her her looks or on everyone's like oh I love you but it's not it's not love yeah but at the same time though you have other stories like the one that really kind of got my blood boiling at her was the elder abuse one oh, oh yeah. yeah so 
like part of me is like as a character it's there's almost a tragedy to what's you know what what is a woman whose entire conceit is i am killed by people because they can't because they want to possess me so bad like that like that as a character is there's a tragedy to that but at the same time she's still an inhuman monster who's who literally goes into people's lives and destroys them like even from the second story her whole thing is i am going to kill i'm going to ki-, you know she constantly breaks people up she kills them like and i don't know it's it's conflicting for me i i feel the same way she molests the fucking child. Yeah, that 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 was like so. You're the you know the story that trickled you was the elder abuse. The one that that got to me was like uh this this, this chapter boy. That one like 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 viscerally got to me. Again, like I wanna I wanna chalk all of that up to Junji Ito's whole disorientation of the natural world and like natural order. Um, and he definitely always crosses a line. Whether it's in something he writes or or draws or just presents to you as a topic, he absolutely always crosses the line. Do you think he went too far with some of the things that he explores in Tomie? No, 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 no. I, I just think that there's a there's kind of a conflicting narrative going on between this character who wants to, you know, between the this female character who is uh who is constantly savage and brutalized by male figures throughout her life but then again who is also this inhuman manipulative monster who destroys the lives of everything she touches yeah she's very self-serving so it's in her own self-interest that she is loved and adored she is she's the ultimate narcissist yes she is she's worse than narcissus the god who is you know the god of narcissism essentially yeah narcissus narcissus never hurt anybody but himself exactly she goes against her own self-interest and in trying to act in her own self-interest she wants to be loved and adored and provided for but in in, in needing that to exist she ends up being a total excuse the expression a total fucking bitch because she's nasty to everybody who comes into her life and wants nothing more than to dote on her. And then she throws them away. She doesn't want to be loved, though. She just wants to be revered. Mm, yes. She wants to be put on a pedestal. She just craves the attention. Or, or, she wants the ego boost. Yeah, that's. she wants the attention. She doesn't want the love. She wants the things that come from the attention. The fine gifts, the fancy food the the attention the doting the being waited upon hand and foot she wants all of that she doesn't want actual love then she should have looked for a sugar daddy oh she does she she like she worms her way into becoming an heiress and uh right yes like that old couple would have loved her like they did love her and she broke them and she fucking killed both of them she drove the woman to suicide, and she drove the man to to kill her. Like, this is not a because part of me because she's she's a creature wearing human skin. That's all she is. And she is she's narcissism and greed and avarice and oh, 
God. From a feminist perspective, she's fucking awful. I'll say that. Like, she's terrible as a representation of woman. But in terms of horror, man, oh man, would I like to study her. Yeah. I, I, what I love about, what I love about her, her, I guess her, um, biology, her narcissism is built into her cells. Like, like, she, she creates multiple copies, and, like, the copies hate each other, and then they try to kill each other. No, there can only be one. Like, I'm the real Tomie. Like, every, every copy believes themselves to be the one and only Tomie, and, like, any other Tomie is a risk of, like, stealing away attention from yeah, from that's what it is. <laughs> I love that sh- that one of the final chapters where there's like three different tomie uh all different ages and they start employing assassins and it becomes like a gang war uh, between the three parties it's like that's crazy I love that and the fact that like she she wants to feel loved or she or no not, she wants to feel wanted and she wants to feel a certain way when she's looked at um um and uh like the her vanity is so strong yet it's so fragile and like um that was like the other really interesting thing where like whenever like how she tries to how she shifts or evolves or devolves uh more likely when like she meets someone who is uh immune to her charms um and like she she gets she just she goes crazy she can't stand it she can't stand the idea of somebody not wanting her. She's like, you don't love me. Very easy. I know nothing about you. And it drives her fucking bananas. I, yeah, my favorite character, I think, in the entire story was the dude who lost his girlfriend and wanted nothing to do with her. Drove her insane. I mean, in a way, like, he... I, he... I mean, he didn't, I mean, he had a happy end. Well, okay, it's it's a bittersweet ending. Like, he 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 didn't kill Tomie, but now his dreams of his dead girlfriend is forever tainted by, like, visions of Tomie and, like, that giant mob of angry men, like, killing each other, you know, with, um, so, like, he, he, he got away, but he didn't get away completely scot-free, so I was like... <laughs> He didn't get away. He can't stop thinking about her. He'll probably, like, try to, like, I don't know, carve her out of there somehow. Something horrifyingly gruesome. The one thing that I kept thinking about during all of this was, uh, apart from how much I just love that Junjito decided to do all of this, I think that the biggest thing that I kept thinking about was how horrible this would be if an Amer- if any American decided to try and do a live action version of this, because it would lose everything that sort of makes this about Tomie as horrible as she is. Everything would devolve into sex and gore and like gratuitous amounts of both that would be completely unnecessary and just gross. Let's be fair here. There is a gratuitous amount of gore in these stories. Touche. However, you know that Americans have a tendency to like go way over the top to prove a point, to be like, put it in your face. Like, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? No subtlety whatsoever. You know, I get it. I, you know, I get that. But like these scenes, instead of the men being driven mad with like just pure attraction for her, ultimately one or several versions of Tomie would probably die during a sex scene and it would be unnecessary. 
Here's a question, actually. Does I don't recall this, but does Tommy ever have sex at any point? Nope. That's why I enjoy it. But if you get any sort of American and they get their grubby little hands on this, it's always going to be about sex. But, but, but right, it's happening already. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, Alexandra Aja, he's doing the 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 web t- tv series for qb they're they're adapting tomie yeah quibi's getting this which is just bizarre they're gonna fuck this up so bad we've seen high tension it's going to die it's gonna suck it's gonna suck we were we were we were teasing this like for the last okay your your mind is being blown okay so i I thought Andra, I thought Alexander Asha was doing Uz- like Uzumaki, which I'm equally like unhappy about. Okay, the right. So did so, I block um, this I thought, out? I thought we're on the same page. I was teasing this <laughs> like the last three weeks. Okay, never mind. Okay, so yes. in July 2019, you must have you must have blocked it out of your memory because we talked about this multiple times. Okay, let's do a recap. So. So Rise worst fear is coming true. So in, in July 2019, Alexandra Aja, which we we have done his works before. We've done Crawl. We've done uh, High Tension. Um, I, is that all? I think I think I feel like there was another one. I know like Piranha's on the list. I think there's another one they've done, but we haven't covered it. So Aja was a he he was tapped to develop a web TV series adaptation of Tomie for uh, QB, like this new web platform. Yeah, they, I mean, the, the video, they have like 10 minute long videos. Each episode's like 10 minutes. That's the, that's the conceit, is it's basically like YouTube that you can consume quickly on like a bus ride. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so, um, so, um, additionally, uh, David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick is going to be the writer and exec producer. Hiroki Shirota uh, is co-producer. So for those who don't know Johnson McGoldrick's work, uh, he's worked on Orphan, Red Riding Hood, Wrath of the Titans, The Conjuring 2, Aquaman, uh, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, Till Death. He's also worked on a, a bunch of Walking... Actually, wait, he, he had a really significant stint on The Walking Dead. Um, and I'm not sure the accolades of Hiroki Shirota. Uh, and this is the most recent piece of news. So July 2020, I think it was like three days after... No, no, like, no it was like July 24th, I think. So it was a couple of days before Jujito's birthday. Uh, Adeline Rudolph uh, has been cast as Tomie, and that name sounds familiar. She plays one of the Agatha sisters from um, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, so she's our Tomie. Um, Adeline Rudolph, she's one of the she's one of the the witch sisters from Sabrina, the Netflix series. She's German. Interesting. Well, yeah, she, German Korean actress. Uh, she uh, again, uh, Sabrina. That's probably her biggest claim to fame um i um and she's done modeling um i she's done some music videos but i don't think she has any other uh big tv or movie um credits like i think she's still relatively young in her career 
The only credit I could give this is at least that actress is not white. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I think, hopefully, I think, you know, Hollywood has learned. I mean, can we all disagree that Quibi is the wrong fucking platform for this? Uh, Shudder? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I don't know who Quibi is meant for. Like, I, yeah. If anything, if anything, what what should have happened? It it should have been like Shutter or you know Crunchyroll, Crunchyroll, and should have partnered with like Netflix or 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 even Hulu. Yeah, I Hulu don't know. is adapting Clive Barker's Books of Blood. They could very easily have Quibi's. Quibi's the. You know what? I will put a plug in the fact that I completely blanked on all of this and and i'll pretend it's not happening if we can all just agree that quibi is not the correct platform for this you cannot do anything with this kind of material in 10 minutes you can't what like i could very easily spend 10 minutes looking at two pages in in the manga that we read because I just, I need to soak all of it up. What the fuck are you going to do in 10 minutes? Now I'm just like irrationally angry. <laughs> so, so I'm very, I'm curious because like you're, you're a big fan of Aja. So like, don't you think he could, I mean, is it, is it just like, I mean, I guess cultural sensibilities aside, do you think he's not equipped or is it just something that's far beyond or far out of Aja's control? Is it something that's bigger? If Aja has grown from the representation of the queer female in high tension, if he has matured and grown from that perspective, then I think that at least in terms of the material, we could be in safe hands. Because we saw how that character was treated in high tension. And it's 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 really, it doesn't do any justice to the horror community and the queer people of the horror community so that that obviously i feel very strongly about that and i think again as long as aja has grown from that and has like done some introspection and 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 maybe read about more about representation and how much that matters fine i think that again the material could possibly be in safe hands um, but Quibi is not the right platform. Why Quibi? Ten fucking minutes? Are you kidding? Because they bought the license. What I That's right, but I like got. what I don't understand is like maybe people don't aren't too familiar with it, so they thought it was a gamble. But like Crunchyroll, Shutter, there is there like Junji. I don't know how Junji Ito all of a sudden became a huge hit in recent years because he's been around forever. So where the fuck is Viz Media in all of this? Was it their bright idea? Viz Media operates in 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 the, in the funny books. They're all about like you know the the graphic novels. That's their bread and butter. Um, and like as we talked about before, I mean yeah, Junji Ito he had he, he has some input, but like it's largely up to the studios to um who who bite the lessons or like who get the project greenlit somehow to like. You know, it's. A, I mean, Ito. I mean, they did. They don't even mention Ito as a producer in, in these articles right now for the for the QB or the Quibi 
show. So that that also gives me pause. Um, but I do agree, Rye. Hopefully, it'll get dropped and picked up by something else because that's it's that's sorry, it's incorrect. So like right now, like there's no word on like like how long these episodes were. But we're assuming like like the normal the normal QB program is like ten minutes long. I completely agree with Rye. It's not enough to do this story justice. And uh, I say that in relation to another adaptation. So uh, if you're um, if you have Crunchyroll um, in 2018, they released. Um, or I'm sorry, Studio Dean um, released Junji Ito Collection, which is a horror anthology anime series um, where they uh, directly adapt uh, mostly Ito's short stories into anime shorts, like they're generally like 10 to 13 minutes long. Um, and um, you know, we can review this at another time, but like Junji Ito Collection, um, for the most part, it's like a mediocre slash disliked uh, adaptation. Um, and, you know, just I mean, you have crazy fandoms all in, in every sphere, but like anime fans in particular, I feel like get really, really protective and heated and vocal. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's unwarranted and sometimes it is. And like, for me, like like Ito, Junji Ito Collection, it's not the it, it's it's I say it's a subpar anime adaptation. Um, um, the animation styles like uh, it's not like the the cutting, bleeding edge of the medium. Um, and I think they try to play it really safe by trying to adapt it. Uh, Ito's um, as close as possible without changing like the original source material, but like they don't stick to execution, um, uh, like all the time. Um, and in regards to Tomie, they they did a two-parter OVA, uh, mainly adapting uh, the first two chapters. So um, you know the her being attacked by her classmates um and uh the hospital story um now the these episodes minus the credits they're like nine to ten minutes long and they cut out a lot uh if you're watching on crunchyroll um crunchyroll for i don't know i don't quite understand it like how they pick and choose uh, but for some anime that they stream they're like pretty liberal about like keeping some gore in uh for for here they censor a lot like a lot out they they like take a giant photoshop brush and paint half the screen in like a smear of red to block out like gory parts so that's another distracting uh thing they do to, that takes away from the medium but like the opponent saying like Though the as given the subpar work on Studio Dean, um, at least animating it, like uh, they just cut way too much out of the story. So it loses a lot of the nuance, um, and it's not a perfect adaptation. Um, although I will say the voice actress for Tomie is spot on, really awesome. So that that, that that's like the, probably like the best part of 
Ito's collection, but uh, that's a long way of saying like Ito, even though it's episodic, like you you can't you you it has to be you have to air it out. You have to like it ha- you have to let it grow organically, and then uh, you got you got to give it the space because like there's so much going on in, in each episode. Yeah, I have no faith that they will do it correctly. We collectively we have no fucking faith. I mean, I'm yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but, great. At the, but at the end of the day, it's like, what is a bad adaptation? Oh no, I have to wait for another one of this very popular story. And you know what? At the end of the day, worst case scenario, it's fun to make fun of, get drunk about, and rage about. So. But but I'm curious. Like this, like Tomie has eleven films over the course of twelve years. Like, and you, you I think you're the only one who watched the the movie. I couldn't find it anywhere. You can't find it anywhere. That's why I bought the DVD. I bought the DVD to a movie I've never seen, hoping I will enjoy it. And, and you did. You enjoyed it. And like, so like, like, I guess what lessons, because like, Hollow's going to do it anyway. Um, like, what lessons would you would you want, like Aja, whoever else, like, takes takes it on in the future? Well, they, they did the biggest one first, which is Representation Matters. So the main actress that they have playing Tomie is not white. So great. And I know that that seems like something that should be really obvious, but hello, Ghost in a Shell. Hollywood has failed at the lowest of the low bar so many times. It's it's, it's atrocious. It's like they pick actors that they want to spearhead movies and then morph their look around the way they should instead of finding actors to play these parts. Like you have cisgendered men playing trans women when there are plenty of trans actors and actresses out there. Oh, according to Hollywood, they don't exist. I will also, exi- but that is kind of the point. So I, I know that it seems so obvious and I know we shouldn't really be like congratulating someone on doing the right thing, but it's a step in recognizing that representation really truly does matter when you're seeing something that you connect with on screen, especially coming from horror and having horror connect with me so personally representation fucking matters i understand that like as a white person it's very easy for me to say that but think about all the other people that are in a community that make up a community that you also need to represent and represent appropriately so they did the biggest thing first representation matters you have non-white actors playing tomie congratulations make sure that you follow through with everything else that you do None, nobody else involved with this movie needs to be white. Just saying. You don't need that. You don't need any Americans anywhere near this. You should have as close to non-white cast as possible. But you know what's going to happen, Rod? They're going to move, they're going to move Tobie. She's going to be, she's going to be someone who grow, grow up in like Seattle or like New York City or, or somewhere. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to be so, it's going to, it's going to be dumb. It's going to be dumb. And at the very least, I, they satisfy the worst case scenario, which is probably what's going to happen. They satisfied the need of representation and they didn't whitewash the main character and everybody else is going to be white and American. Why? You don't have to do it. And again, this is why I'm like, if you're not going to make a faithful adaptation, just don't fucking do it. It's not that hard. Just don't do it. The material is not for you. If you don't understand, fuck off. Also, why isn't Ito a part of this? Why is he nowhere near this production? Big fucking mistake. That's how you know they're not going to be faithful to the source material. 
like Hollywood has been trying to crack the egg on adapting manga and anime films, you know, for decades. You want to know how to crack it? You get non-white people to do the production. And also, like, you, you, you have to realize, you know, when you're adapting, like, a foreign work or you're, you're adapting, like, you know, a, specifically a, a manga and anime, like, there's so much cultural sensibilities that are, that make up the tone, that make up the, 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 the context, make up the atmosphere and the setting. Like, Tomie, Tomie, we haven't really discussed about it um, as much, but we'll definitely, uh, um, I mean, we'll definitely. I mean, the, I mean there's there's lots of cool essays and videos about this. Uh, but Tomie um, draws a ton of inspiration and influence of of yokai and Japanese folklore, and mythology, and you know that you can't divorce that because like that's she's like she's like an amalgamation of those and you know plus whatever other alchemy juji ito threw in um and like if you know if you remove like if you remove like not only the actor like uh, or the actress you know she's um you know they, they change it to like some caucasian you know uh or they they completely remove the setting or uh the the cultural background or like or you know they oh like she's she's not part of a japanese family or she she or um or she's not we're not gonna we're not gonna set this in a, in a japanese community in somewhere in the united states it's gonna be it's gonna be like suburban america uh, middle class america it's like that it it completely removes the that those important pieces of context which is such a powerful driving force of Tomie the character and like i you know i i we've been as anime fans we you know we've been burned so many times and uh yeah and it, it's it's hard and like i i honestly like uh, as much as like it's kind of, it's 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 more of a morbid curiosity because like like anime fans like were a very passionate fan base um but i we want we want more people to be part of the community and like we understand that like the, it's it's definitely become more mainstream over the years um and this, uh, thanks to Crunchyroll and Viz Media and, like, you know, making it so much more accessible. And that's the reason why, like, Shinji Ito is so much more popular. It has, like, ex- extreme boom, especially in the last 10 years. And I would love for, like, the modern American horror enthusiast to, like, to, outside of, outside of, like, niche, quote-unquote, niche circles, to, like, see a trailer for Tomie and like and like like holy shit this looks amazing and uh or and and it becomes like a household name and like that would be awesome but like with the track record we have so far it's like it's it's just uh it's bad it's it's unless unless you have some auteur and like that's why that's why i have such faith in like Taika Waititi, you know, doing like the live action anime or live action adaptation of Akira cuz like he knows what makes it great, and he's being he he's on on record many times says I will cast like Japanese actors, like representative actors, and I will. Uh, and for him, he's not going the way of like Ghost in the Shell, where it's like I'm not gonna adapt, or I'm not just gonna 
you know, frame sh- frame for frame, shot for shot, just redo the classic Akira animated movie. Because uh, we've seen that before. I'm going to do something that still honors the source material, but uh, creates a new spin to, to drive new people and old. I'm going to d- d- uh, adapt it more directly from the, the manga, the original source material. And he's still acknowledging how great, you know, other adaptations are. Uh, but he's treating it with that respect, and that's like the most important thing. Yeah, I think here's the thing. I think adaptations of foreign media can be done well. They just have to be sort of repur- not not necessarily repurposed, but sort of reinvented within the culture that they're being made in. So, Seven Samurai was remade as the Magnificent Seven. Both of them are absolutely wonderful movies. The fucking Hidden Fortress was turned into Star Wars. But, and, like, you've had things that go back and forth like that all the time. Um, Like, oh, God, I know there was, um, I know there's been American films that have been remade in Europe and vice versa. Like, Let the Right One In and Let Me In are both pretty good movies. Um, And I know there's been, there's been, like, cross-cultural exchange can be done well if it is done correctly. But if you're just sort of taking the, I think what Hollywood's biggest problem is is they want they want the name recognition of the property without doing any of the work. So like for um for uh, oh god what was that one with Willem Dafoe, Death Note, for Death Note they uh they they messed it up they they messed it up because they don't understand the property they don't understand what makes the characters interesting. In Japan, what could potentially work is if they readapted it for the United States. It'd be very interesting if, what if the character, you know, finds a Native American, like maybe Deerskin, that has the same properties and he's dealing with, instead of Ryuk, he's dealing with maybe somebody like Moot, who was, you know, the kind of character that would help people cross over to the other side. And then you can also examine the way that the American population treats the natives as a whole. And something like that could be a very interesting story. Hollywood doesn't want to put the work in. Hollywood is obsessed with the IP. I mean, I, I, like, IP is like the, the, the main currency, and like everyone's trying to buy up IP, which feeds into a whole other problem of like, um, you know, it's so hard to make something original anymore. Uh, that's why, like, I mean, you, you look at, you look at someone like Junji Ito who has blown up in recent years, and the first thing that a Hollywood studio exec thinks is how can we monopolize on this and how can we make money off of it? You make money off of it because, you know, he, he's very prominent right now and he's making a lot of noise, even though Ito's been around since, what, 1980? Tomie was 87? 87, yeah. So he's making waves now, but he's been around for 30-plus years already. And... Don't put the legwork in into trying to make a functional adaptation. Just know that you're going to get a lot of eyes on it because he's getting a lot of resurgent attention. So you're going to put the minimal amount of effort into it. And it's probably going to flop, but you're not going to care because the initial payoff is going to happen when everyone flocks to that first episode. And there, you'll you'll more than make everything back because everyone's going to invest in whatever the fuck platform, bullshit platform you're putting it on so they can watch it. 
See, my my fear is like they 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 adapt they they adapt like Jujito, like Tomei or Uzumaki, or they or they adapt like. Um... Yeah, but Chris literally just laid out the perfect way to create an American adaptation of something and do it correctly. God, Odin fucking yeah. forbid someone tries to do that. Uh, that was clever. That was clever. Did you say Oni or Odin? Odin. Okay. Because Oni also Oni would have worked very well because of Oni the... also would have worked very well. So I either said Oni or Odin, it's totally up to you. I don't care. <laughs> like yeah. Like, my fear is, like, they adapt, like, Jujito's, like, you know, Tomei, Uzumaki, Gyo, you know, and, uh, and... If any American touched Gyo, they would ruin it! I mean, they're gonna ruin everything anyway, <laughs> but it would be... Oh, it would look like something, like, it would look like Sharknado, Chris. And I know you're a sucker for that, but that's not good. <laughs> I know, I know. But, but, but my fear is, like, they, 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 you know, they adapt it, and, like, you know, maybe they, they put, like, the lowest amount of effort or maybe they, they, they don't treat it with the respect it deserves and it flops oh no here's how they can do geo make them drones you yes them drones <laughs> that hunt terrorists and they lost the drones and they fall into the ocean and then they start coming on land and they start killing people because they're hunting terrorists chris chris what be a become a consultant <laughs> save hollywood do the drones have fish heads and like jellyfish tentacles and like octopus legs? Basically, what the, what what the drones have to operate is they would need a biological organism to function off of, sort of Matrix X, and then it would feed off of the flesh until it is done. And right as it's going to be got, get done, it jumps onto another. You host. could literally have a giant great white shark on a drone. Yeah. I would watch that. It would probably be on sci-fi, but it'd be a really bad CGI, yeah. but I would watch that. Who cares? I love those movies. Fucking Croctopus versus Sharknado or whatever. Velocipaster is on our list. Just saying. Velocipaster. What a masterpiece. Mega I mean, as we all know, there are three type there are three different stories in the world. Uh man versus man, man versus nature, and uh Godzilla versus Mega Shark. Those are the only kinds of stories that exist. This is true. <laughs> At least it can't get any worse than Birdemic. Well, nothing can get worse than Birdemic. But yeah, like, my fear is, like, if, if, if they try adapting any of those works, you know, it flops. And, like, you know, Hollywood doesn't take, doesn't, the, 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 the lesson uh, I, I feel like Hollywood would take out of it is, oh, we, we, this movie sucks because we didn't, we because it, it, it because it was our fault. No, it sucks because la uh, anime is not anime or manga. The source material is not marketable in the U.S. So like you know, and like and they they throw it on the wayside. Am I out of touch? No, it is the children who are wrong. Yes, exactly. It's like no, you just don't understand the genius. You're you're terrible, and you don't understand, and I hate you. Get out, Hollywood. TLDR of all of this is Americans don't touch shit that's not yours, even though that's what you're known for. I mean, you can do it if you do it right. Which they won't, so they just shouldn't touch it at all. Like, that's the thing. Like, isolated from Let the Right One In, Let Me In is a decent horror movie. But when you understand that it came from a Swedish film that came from a book, it's a terrible American remake. Same with The Uninvited. We covered this. Like, A Tale of Two Sisters is a thing of beauty you want to watch like good psychological like korean horror go watch 
a tale of two sisters, but it shouldn't have been touched after that. Instead, they decided that they're going to do a remake and they do what every American remake does, which is not be subtle about it. They shove everything in your face and you knew exactly what was going to happen from start to finish. And it was bad. I'm going to find that one remake, Rye. I'm going to find it and you're going to love it. You know what? Blow me away. Find the one remake that, that is the exception to the rule. Do it. I challenge you. Do it. Star Wars. Star Wars is the Star Wars is basically the American remake of Hidden Fortress. Uh-huh. Like actually Americans have a pretty good track record with doing it. I'm not giving you that one. <laughs> this is not this is hold on. Magnificent hold on. seven then. Magnificent this is seven. Not, hold on. This is not a science fiction and fantasy western podcast. This is a horror podcast. <laughs> She's looking I'm for looking horror. For horror, man. Come on, read the <laughs> Fine, give me uh give me a week. One week. <laughs> I'll give you a week. <laughs> you have one week starting now. Let the games begin. <laughs> so we've gotten very off topic here. Tomie. Tomie. We love Tomie. So okay, so here's my question for you guys. What was your most horrifying visual from the story? Horrifying visual. Um, I got mine. I already have mine in my head. Crystal for us. You go first. So my most horrifying visual was the from the story with the hair, and when the girl dies, when the man shows up, and hair grows out of every pore in her body, and she looks like Chewbacca, and she dies screaming. Ooh, yeah. Like, the flesh stuff you kind of get used to after a little bit, you know? It's like, oh, it's blood, it's flesh, whatever. I get it. But the hair was just creepy because it looked so painful. Like, uh, all, like the ingrown hair that's penetrating her brain. <laughs> yeah, but, the, I mean, God, that, that girl. And then there was the... I'm talking about the girl that made the wig. Oh, yeah. that's right, yeah. That was the one that went all, uh, you know, crazy at the end. One of my, one of my favorite stories was the sake episode, um, and um, it my favorite one of my like one of my little, the, the image that's seared in my mind is I was like maybe it's disturbing but it, it delighted me so much was when it, it's kind of like the end of Evangelion uh, where like Rei Ayanami like comes out like uh, and like she's this giant being made out of like like this weird liquid called LCL and she's she grows massive angel wings. I got severe flashbacks. Like this giant Tomie made up of sake and she's like she like the sake behemoth. I love that. And and then um like I love that. Cause this is it's so classic anime. It's just like um, like Evangelion is like one of my all-time favorite anime things of all time, and it just it just gave me like it it, it put me in so much glee, uh, and and then it was, I feel like uh, I I I'm it was so funny to me like the page afterwards, um, and I not I'm I feel like Ito might have done on purpose, but like after they see this horrifying like a hundred foot tall 
dripping sake version of Tomie, they're like, oh, wow. I never had a, a, a trip like that drinking Sasuke, uh, uh, drinking sake. Well, uh, nothing wrong with it. We should sell this. <laughs> and you just see like this grinning face in the in the sake, and it's like this is this is great. I love it. Um, uh, the other one, the other shot was um, oh god, it was like that giant like slug, oh, the slug monster. In the, um... Yeah, that was chasing. Yeah. Oh, I was chasing. Th- oh my god, it was so good. I I love that. So those are my two favorite disturbing. Um, uh, images yeah i love how we never figured out what happened to the slug monster <laughs> it's it's just chilling <laughs> that's the because there's kind of a narrative to most of these other stories that you can sort of chart out like okay this story takes place in this time period this one takes place in this one and you can kind of track the tomies but you never see what happens to the monster what about you Ray? i'm torn so the one with the boy is extraordinarily disturbing on so many yeah, levels. That one screwed me up. Right? <laughs> so this image of her like playing with her quote unquote son on the beach is like horrifying to behold because I'm just putting context with the rest of the story. But I think the thing that really gets me was the one with the babysitter and how oh. yeah oh. and how she's like she's like find yeah. something oh, that's God, red yeah. do your best There's and show me fire. so trigger warning for those of you who are listening talking about cutting in blood okay um skip ahead now the babysitter cuts herself and she's like it's not red enough so she cuts little baby mutant tomie and it's like Beautiful, such lovely burning red, and it's just like gosh. It's just like a geyser, a geyser of of, of blood, like like. Uh. I expected the babysitter to self-inflict. Um, the weird mutant fetus thing, and the parents were arsonists, and the whole. <laughs> it was, what the fuck was that? It was very disturbing. They just wanted to make their baby so happy. Yeah, they look like fucking knockoff discount Morticia and Gomez Adams. Like if you found him in the bargain bin section at Walmart. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, here's an here's actually a question I have for you guys. Do you think, because I noticed Tomie was primarily attracted men to her. So here's the question. Could she attract gay men? Or could she attract lesbian women? I would like to see a world where uh, women are also attracted to her. But then you... See, that's the thing. That's queer representation and horror. And I think that that is amazing. But it also has that weird negative connotation. Half of me is like, there's representation there. And if it's a proper representation of a as close to a gay relationship as you can get fine you can still keep the thematic elements of all of that i think the one thing that ito does is that the the women in this that are in her life in any capacity sort of become her except for the photographer 
except for the photographer. They become her. They don't want to be with her, though. So what does that say? I think that that creates a whole other uh, uh, separate conversation. I would like to see a scenario where Tomie just sort of gets all of these people, however they represent themselves, to sort of fall in love and lust with her and how she alters her own narcissism to adapt to whatever relationship she's trying to put on before she's done with it. I think that would be intriguing. You actually made a good point. Fall in lust with her. I think that's way more descriptive of what she does to people than anything else. They but... want to consume her. They don't want to be with her. They, 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 they fall so much for her that they need to destroy her because then the feeling goes away, even though it doesn't. They're just convinced it will. <laughs> and cannibalism does happen. I mean, like, they, you know, the sake scene, you know? The sake scene, yes, yes. Yeah, I think, I think they want to destroy her for the sake of ensuring that nobody else has her, and they love her so much that they almost hate her. Like, that's a very problematic narrative. Like, if I can't have her, no one can. Really? Really? The, the story that starts off with the fucking Japanese school kids hacking up their fucking classmates could be a little problematic? Who fucking knew? <laughs> but, that, but that narrative specifically of, like, the cis-normative of, like, if I can't have her, nobody can, is a very dangerous and very real problem when it comes to, like, domestic violence and relationships and things like that. So that narrative in and of itself is an issue um if you want to ignore it like so many people do then sure you can put that situation in with everybody else under the sun and you know it, it's it's hard to ignore because again these people feel compelled to, to kill her to get rid of her it's horror i i can sort of put that aside um as as an as a narrative point, I will say it would be interesting to watch Tomie and her narcissism function in a relationship that isn't, you know, heteronormative. When they're with someone who's binary or just a very stereo not stereo, I don't want to say stereotypical, but your, you know, average gay relationship. I would love to see that. That could be the one thing that an American remake could do if done, again, correctly, respectfully, which we can't. Respecting respectful queer representation in Hollywood? Get out of here. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. It's a big ask when it really shouldn't be, but that's that's what we're up against. But here's a, here is actually my final question. Do you think Tomie can get old? Because one of the last stories has basically... Uh, her quote-unquote sister and one of her victims turned abusers turned... I, I don't know what that... That was a weird fucking relationship. But basically somebody who was trying to figure out what Tomie was, trapping her in a block of concrete to make her age. And when they break open the concrete, they um, the, the man hallucinates seeing her there, old and wizened and ravaged by the passage of time, but the woman recognizes that she's no longer in the concrete. My question for you two is, do you think she can age? I th assuming assuming that the crazy old man who was the, the, the jilted supermodel, so he's, he's crazy. He's, he, he's definitely an unreliable narrator. He could have hallucinated uh, all major parts of his story. But I like to think that 
his experiments were real uh but i would still still say no because tomie is so narcissistic and prideful and so careful of her image she would definitely i feel like she would you know destroy herself before ever 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 letting that happen and you know, like and, and it's very low risk for her it's like oh if i destroy myself like i'll just you know i'll just pop up somewhere else yeah, I know. We I know that she, we know that she can age because when she's in, when she, her blood is injected in little girls and takes it over, she ages as those little girls. But I don't. But I think you're a hundred percent on the money, Chris. I don't think that her narcissism would allow her to get old because, frankly, Tomies have the lifespan of a moth, and they kind of <laughs> throw themselves into these situations where. It's this really bizarre dichotomy of they almost want to be killed so they can propagate, but then they also want to destroy the clones. She wants she wants to be a clone, but she doesn't want all of the clones to exist at the same time. It, it's weird. I mean, this, there's like a weird wrinkle. Um, it was like the one story uh, about the waterfall. Uh, and it ends with a parade of naked Tomies, and they they they're just walking together, and, and they're they're not like trying to kill each other. So like I that that is like oh okay so is it because they like well how does that story like you throw the wrench in you know what we've seen primarily where like she's so narcissistic 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 she kills she orders everyone uh, uh orders men to kill her clones or she orders like you know some poor sad like burnt cut off my tumor i'm growing a new a new face cut it off and burn it like i don't want it i as a professional monster hunter um i think that um i think that that only that compulsion that compulsion to kill the clones only kicks in once the Tomie has its own territory. Oh. So I'm I'm imagining it like a very territorial animal that basically once it's settled in an area, it will not let others get in on its racket. I mean, case in point, in one of the final chapters, there's a little three-way gang war <laughs> between like a like a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, like 16-year-old Tomie. But because we we saw that with the waterfall, and there was also the one with the ugly duckling. Or with the ugly, the really ugly guy. Oh, that's, yeah, the little, the little finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, with the thing, with the fingers that turned into Tomies. And it was a way to break the that that old poor sap. I feel bad for the character almost when she's getting like, you know, when she's getting smacked around by dudes. But then I remember that it is an inhuman monster wearing a person's skin that preys on others. And I remember the little boy, the ugly kid, and the old couple she's a complex character and that's what's great and horrifying i both hate and love her this is fantastic <laughs> leatherface is complex too but that doesn't mean i wouldn't i wouldn't hesitate to put a bullet in him the moment that you know he can you imagine leatherface like you shooting leatherface and like more leatherfaces like start growing out of its body like Tobey. So it's funny you mentioned Leatherface. Um, in one of the behind the scenes after they uh, of the movie after they aired it for an audience at a film festival, they were talking about different iterations of the movie and how much they wanted to keep going with with Tomie. They asked Junji Ito if he liked it, and he 
you know, being his adorable little humble self, he was like, yeah, it was great. And then that was it. And he just sort of like stood there and they were like, no, no, you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like you have to talk more. Like you can't, right. you can like, you can't just say that. Um, and I think it was the director that was like, oh yeah, we're looking forward to making Tomie 2, 3, 4, 5, Tomie versus Freddy, Tomie versus Jason. <laughs> and I was like, that I would love. <laughs> Can you imagine Tomie versus Freddy? I was going to say Tomie versus Juon. Or Sadako. I mean, they, they've had like Sadako versus Juon. Yeah, which was apparently god awful. Yeah. Uh... That would be interesting to watch, though. I would enjoy that very much. That could be like the only American thing that could touch this movie. No, you want to? Oh my God. You want to know what I want to see? Tomie versus Ash Williams. Yes. Okay. That would be cool. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. Okay. So would Ash fall for Tomie? No. <laughs> he loves himself too much. <laughs> yeah. No, that'd be it. That'd be it. Oh my God. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Oh my god, I want to see that. Especially with old Bruce Campbell now. Because they'd be having that back and forth of, oh, you don't want me? Well, of course I'm too good for you. And then they like feed into it. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Yes. And, and then you see then you see like Tomie like freaking out like like the one scene from Army of Darkness where like he like smashes in the mirror and a bunch of like little ash like doppelgangers come out and then and then and then and then there's like a giant battle between ash doppelgangers and Tomie doppelgangers and like it just becomes a hot mess. Yeah, I want it. And instead of that giant Tomie slug, you have like the two of them just sort of morph into this like giant constant bickering slug with each other. Yeah, and then they turn to a spiral and then they fly away. Get the away. fuck out! No, that's disgusting. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. So copyright TM, 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 TM. This is, <laughs> this is our production. No one else. This is beautiful. I watch um, that though. <laughs> yeah, I watch it too. I, yeah. Chris, you would watch anything. Yes, I would. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I love yeah, you, but um, you wouldn't watch anything. I would watch it, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think any last thoughts about Tomie before we close it out? Um, I fucking love Tomie. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tomie was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, and, I'm happy and, we're I, ending on this one. Yeah, we've come full circle. This is where it all began. And, you know, we, we, we were kind of on... Uh, orthodox and how we chose the stories of the order but like you know we're so glad you know we have you know this all toward Junji Ito like you know he's working on his craft for 30, 30 years we have a, a new manga coming out or new anthology coming out like very very soon like with less than two weeks from now um, and uh, we established it already we're gonna, we're gonna be watching all 11 films oh yeah <laughs> I don't care if I have to buy them and, like, stream them, like, on Discord or, or fucking Twitch. I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm buying as many of them as I have to. I need to watch all of them because I want to see how this beast of a manga gets fleshed out over 11 movies. And that, and we're gonna we're gonna hate watch the the key, the QB show QB. Yes, QB? we're gonna hate watch the. They have between now and whenever their their date is to drop Quibi and and find someone else to pick them up because it won't work. If it falls through... Mm, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if it did either, you know, knock on fucking wood. But 
the Uzumaki series is also something that I I know we're going to keep a close watch on and we'll probably reconvene for another episode on that because that is going to be amazing. Yeah, I have, I have high hopes for that. Well, it's animated. There's no way they could really fuck that up. I mean, they could, <laughs> but there's no real way to fuck that up. I mean, you say that. You say that. Listen, I need to be hopeful about something. Rai just encountered Juji Ito. She needs to hold on. She needs. I have to hold on to what it is right now before the Americans ruin everything. It's a short story. No, no, it's on my list. I'm telling you, every Thursday when I get paid, I, I go onto Amazon and I move something else that's Junji Ito related into my cart and I buy it as a present to myself. <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> so like this week, I already have picked what I'm going to purchase. And then next week, it'll be something it will go down the list. And that's just reading material. Like, right, you should stop over. We're, we're not sponsored by Crunchyroll, but I wish we were. But, like, you can grab a really awesome Tomie jacket on Crunchyroll store right now. There's, like, so uh, there's so much amazing, like, uh, Tomie and Uzumaki and Ito merch out there. So, Rai, I feel like over the course of the year, you're just going to show up and, like, Tomie, 100%. Tomie gear. You have a Tomie tattoo. That'd be awesome. Well, I definitely, I definitely want a Junji Ito inspired tattoo. I think I said this last episode. Ooh, what would you do? That's the thing. I haven't really found it yet, though. I don't Slugs. know. Spirals. No. Snails. No. <laughs> no you, here's an idea. You take, like, I mean, I guess it depends on how big you want it, but basically, you can have like to- a picture of Tomie. And then behind her is a spiral. And then behind the spiral is a shark. <laughs> yeah, is it in the mouth of the shark? It's all in the mouth of the shark. You want me to have a giant back piece dedicated to Ito, is what you're saying. There isn't much yes. back here. I don't know how to tell you that. Well, I mean, we could go bigger because then we can do like the mountain with the Anigara Falls. The people and going then we can into have, the like, mountain, the, the cutout holes. Oh, ooh, ooh. you can have the hole that was made for you tattooed on your body. I will kill you. Right on my ass is where that would go. <laughs> I mean, there's a joke in there, but I'm not going to make it. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> no, I, I, I know that I want something of Ito's to be on my body somewhere. I haven't found it yet. And I think that part of the reason why I don't want to do something from Gyo or Uzumaki or Tomie, as much as I love all of these works, is because when you mention Junji Ito, these are the images that pop up the most. Those are the things that people would expect you to get tattooed from his most notorious works. I don't want to do that. You're, you're being a hipster about it. <laughs> no, it's not that I'm being a hipster. It's just that, like, I I, I want to find something that's either out of his collected, just, like, general artworks or uh, save an ass load of money and just DM him and be like, can you, I will pay you whatever you want. Can you please design a tattoo for me? <laughs> like, I just, I need something of his on my body somewhere. I mean, we, yeah, we talked about it before. I mean... I mean, we we just reviewed like his three biggest works, but like he has so many short stories. He has so much out there. I'm not gonna get one of his fucking cats on me because I'm not a cat person. I like cats, but I have a dog, so I'm a dog dogs person. Are, as somebody who owns a cat, dogs are better. I, I'm just, I'm sure Juji Ito has done something horrific with dogs. With cats? Oh no! <laughs> stop! <laughs> stop! Okay. But like that. But that's what I'm saying. So I. 
I haven't found it yet, but I know I need it. Save that space. Save that space. Save the canvas. I will. No, I, I'm being very selective about where I put tattoos right now. So there's a lot of room. Right. You should just have a giant spiral with an eyeball on your face. You know I work in a, like a semi-corporate setting, right? I cannot walk with a face tattoo. I've got a big old spiral right above the crack of my ass. No, 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 no. That, that's where the, uh, that's where the Amigara Fault goes. This hole was made for me! That's where, yes, that's where the Mises hole goes. <laughs> 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 I fucking love Tomie. I'm done. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I we we just love Ito Ito-san. You're you're the best. Yeah, no, Ito's just great. Uh, so I I feel like we're just gonna start a Junji Ito podcast. <laughs> Left for Dread, the Junji Ito fan club. <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> the Junji Ito fan club, the Junji Ito fan club Twitter account follows us, so I'm okay with it. Really? Hell yeah! So as that's before we did these episodes, so like. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think more of the story. Read Tomie. Um, it's amazing, and uh, if you can find it, um, you know, with uh, yeah, it's pr- the the movies are pretty hard to find. Um, I mean, w- if you can find it without buying the DVD, please tell me. <laughs> please, please oh. tell me. <laughs> please, please hook us up. But uh, but no, but no. Actually, support 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 the uh, the Japanese film industry so they can make more Tomie films just for Rai. I think I got it. I because because of where I ordered it off at Amazon. I think I got it from someone who, because I got it new, it was still sealed. So I think I got it from someone who probably just had like a surplus of DVDs. The one from 2011 on Prime. That's the that's the most recent one. Yes, um, which is also a soft reboot. I mean, it's still connected to the other films, but yeah. So, Chris, we're gonna have you back when we watch all eleven of them, right? <laughs> um, we'll do. We'll knock this yes, out of the park really easy. We'll knock this out of the park really easy. We'll do two an episode. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, no, no. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be an eleven hour live stream. Yeah, how about we do that? How about we live stream him? How about that be? I'm okay with that. Let's do it. We got plans. We got schemes, y'all. We I got love it. Schemes. I mean, this is how we got this episode. So I love how this is this is how we start planning it while we're recording. We just get these ideas. Yeah, Junji Itsu-san, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. On that note. Thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. Again, a big thank you to Chris from Iron, Silver, and Salt for for, for like being such a good sport, especially since, since we dragged you for three episodes. Uh, we, uh... <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not. It was fun. I love this. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on this wild-ass fucking ride with us. This is fantastic.
And apparently I'm being pulled in. When I think I'm out, they pull me back in because I feel like I'll be there for the movies too, so. Always. You will be. Always. Always. <laughs> uh, but uh, for people who are just tuning into this episode, uh, I haven't listened to the, the previous ones, um, tell, the, tell our dreadfuls uh, what is Iron, Silver, and Salt and where can they find you online? Yeah, Iron, Silver, and Salt, we're the monster hunting podcast where every other week we look at a monster from fiction and folklore and tell you how to kill it. Um, I am one of the hosts. Uh, my two co-hosts uh, are on there. One of them has an amazing voice. The other is very funny, and I'm the dipshit that does all the research. So, the uh, But yeah, the, yeah, you can find us on... You can find us basically anywhere podcasts are, and... Yeah, no, uh, we're on Twitter at Iron Silver Salt, where we got a Facebook page, and yeah, hell yeah, and um, you know, six out of five, eleven out, eleven out of ten, these guys are so amazing, um, and yeah, you guys are like, it's it's such a delight seeing a new episode pop pop up in in in, in my feed. So thanks for all that you do, and uh, yeah, so. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please, please, please support Ito, support comics, and like just just go out and read. Uh, and just and 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 stay tuned later this month for a brand new anthology. And uh, we hope you enjoy Ito as much as we do, especially Rai. Uh, it's so delightful to see her, like how much she. I feel like I'm sitting over here with like blood soaked pom poms, like yay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the pom pom uh, is viral. So, oh, oh god! Oh god! Oh, there's Tomie. There's Tomie leaking through my 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 patio door. Okay, we gotta go. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> Don't forget. Oh, <laughs>